Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Let's go. Let's start. Let's have some fun. Uh, yeah. So, like, right off the bat, for you, I kind of wanted to pick your brain about, you know, some of the businesses you started up. You know, whether it was, you know, Kimura where 15 years ago or what you're doing now, podcast, kind of like what we were just talking about, you know, like you're inspired by conversations. Like you never know where the conversation is going to go. That's all it is. All all my conversations are are curious, spontaneous, and just authentic, right? And and that makes the best conversation, right? So at at what age were you kind of bit by that entrepreneurial bug to say like, okay, I really don't want to work for anybody else's dreams. I want to work for myself and kind of maneuver it to where like, yes, I can do what I love, make my own hours at the same time, balance it out and spend time with my family. Yeah. I mean, that's, this is shooting back way before family time. I mean, I was, I was 17, uh, Jack, when I first started my first company, right? So I was 17. I had six of my, my, uh, buddies from high school working for me. I ran a security company for about a year and a half until I ended up selling that. And when I was 19, this is beyond that's this question. I've been really struggling when I was struggling. I've been really diving deep into with my past. And I would say in the last couple of years is really studying like patterns and, and what actually pushed me to try to be an entrepreneur. And and there's certain triggers. I mean, I look at now and think of my parents, they worked their ass off. My dad was a factory worker. My mom worked at daycares. They worked their ass off just to get by. And maybe that was a, a subconscious trigger that kind of pushed me into being like, you know what, I don't want to be that nine to five. I don't want to be that thing, right? So there are certain patterns and certain triggers that happen, I guess, when I was younger that kind of escalated myself into pushing towards that. Then once I got the, the, the almost that, that taste of freedom and working on your own and being able to create your own hours and create your own money and, and the harder you work, the more you can make and the more connections you make, the bigger you grow and, and started it all evolving my early twenties. And it was like, once I started, that was it. And I, I've never really, I mean, since I was 19, I've never worked for no one ever again. It's been, I'm 44 now. So it's been a, it's been a journey, right? Well, don't get me wrong. There's wins, there's losses and everybody has losses. I don't give a shit who you are. But at the end of the day, if more wins are piled up on top of the losses and you got more wins stacked, I mean, that's where you want to be. And, and that's where, fortunately, I have been. And, and, and I keep growing and I keep escalating. And, I've, and you learn. You learn from your mistakes. You connect. You grow. And you learn how to pivot. And, and one thing I think I've mastered over the last 10 or 15 years is really learning how to pivot the businesses and being ahead of the curve before we crash. And being able to do that has kind of just kept the businesses always growing, the companies always growing to the right direction. I mean, that comes from, you know, a ton of experience, too. And I'm totally on board with the sense of, like, my parents growing up, like, watching them, like, busting their ass to make sure that we have food on the table and their kids are taken care of, but not necessarily, like, in love with their occupations, you know? Like, they didn't quite have, like, a plan growing up. Like, different back in the day as opposed to now where you have all these resources and you know what you want to do, right? But at the same time, it's kind of like I can only imagine what they would be like if – they were passionate about they, what they did, you know, like they're busting their ass over something that is something at the end of the day isn't going to fulfill them. How many businesses did you have starting out that failed? Like how many businesses did, um, did you 
fail in and then learn from those experiences before you found your big break? I would say the businesses that failed the hardest had probably the most potential were ones I brought in partners. Yeah. And um, one of them was um, a, chain, uh, a chain of gyms where we were going to franchise out. And um, it was a great concept, great logos, great look, great. Everything about it had potential to be a really, really big franchise. But it was, um, it was five partners. And when you put five people all trying to in the kitchen cooking at the same time and then add family members, things never work out the right way. And that was, um, that left a really sour taste in my mouth. I mean, financially, I did okay with it when we exited, but I mean, it, it left a sour taste in my mouth. Another one was um, two really close friends of mine. Um, once you're an entrepreneur, you always get every single friend of yours wants to jump on the bandwagon with you. And I had a couple of really close friends uh, come up with me with uh, an idea concept. Um, and, and I ended up putting hours and hours and work and work to put this whole concept into process and get the process into manufacturing, manufacturing into, into, into our hands, this, this actual product that we could sell. And their last job was just to get it out into the market and sell. And we had this whole strategy plan. And then they stood there looking at me like, okay, what are you going to do next? And it was one of those things where I spent almost a year putting this whole thing together. And it was finally their time to take on the project. And they kind of relay, relied on me to do it. And that left a really sour taste in my mouth where I could back out of that as well. So a lot of the losses and, and the time we've spent to was I, I always count them as learning experiences like anything. They're not lost through learning experiences. But a lot of them had to do with partnerships. And I've always, I've to be honest, in, in God, 26 years of being an entrepreneur, I've never had a positive relationship with a partnership yet. And I, and I hear tons of people with incredible relationship with partners, and, and maybe I haven't found the right one yet. But um, those, I would say, the biggest losses have been in, in opportunities that could have been massive, but it just the relationships didn't work out. Yeah, it's kind of like you're excited to do it at first. Like everybody's on board, everybody's fired up, but at the same, like six months down the road, like you're still fired up about it because you've been planning it for so long and they're kind of like not exactly buying into the same product it almost seems like. You know what it is too, Jack, is is I always say this, this is a, a something I, we, we talk about it all the time. Are you born an entrepreneur or can you teach somebody to be an entrepreneur? And it's that mindset of you can teach somebody the skills, you can give them all the tools, you guide them. But that hustle, you're either born with it or you're not. You have that drive in you. And a lot of people have those ideas, the vision, but they don't have the work ethic to get it past that little hump. And all of a sudden, I'm the workhorse. I'm the one up at 4.30 every morning. I have no issues of putting in the work, putting the extra time. And then you see your partner's not just tagging along. That, that, that gets to you, right? That mentally just gets to you. Um, so I think a lot of it has to do with the hustle and the drive there. I, I don't think people, most people aren't cut for that, those crazy long hours when other people are sleeping, you're putting in the hours when most people are just, they just don't have it in them to do it. Right. It's and like another thing would be like, maybe they do have the passion for it, but you're not exactly on the same page. You're not buying into the same thing. And eventually that becomes toxic. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So at what age was it you know again like you probably had like a ton of jobs just to make money growing up yeah you know to support some of these businesses that you had kind of a mindset for but at what point in time were you like okay like i have to be an entrepreneur or i'm never going to be happy with my life like for for example it's funny because i literally i do the podcast full time you know with some sponsorships i've been fortunate to do that right out of school but at yeah. the same time i'm like may as well make money that i have the time like i have the podcast but i also have time carved out for other things 
I'm like, let's get a full-time job. Why not? And like immediately, like one day and I'm filling out paperwork and stuff. I'm like, do I really want to work 40 hours a week for someone else's dream? I'm like, and I don't necessarily have to right now. So I left 24 hours in because I'm like, I don't have the passion to do that. I love it. I love it. It, I love it was it. something completely, it was like uh, something to do with marketing. I don't even know what it was. Like I was going to yeah. spend 40 hours a week and I had no idea what I was going to do just for the paycheck. But yeah. at, at what point were you like, I'm all in with this because I literally mentally and physically have no I, I, I think from day one. I mean, I don't think there was ever a question that I would, man, I remember even joking with my mom. My mom, like, my mom and dad would always like, you need a secure job, you need all this. And that was more, it's not that they didn't believe in me. It was more of that fear of failure, the fear of seeing their, their son struggle. And, and I remember looking at my parents and I'd be like, I'd rather be on the corner squeezing cars and taking orders from somebody. And that was from day one. I, mean, I would think that, would, that was right from 19, 20 years old. And it's always been there. I, I've always had that, that mindset where opportunity is there if you're willing to look and work for it. And I think those that just sit back and, and, and wait for opportunity, you become numb. You become numb with your life. You get you, you know the whole routine. You finish school, you get a job that pay off your tuition, you sit in that cubicle, and day by day that becomes week one, becomes week four, week four becomes six months, one year, three years. That six month plan to get out, now ten years later, you're still living at peace. Now you have responsibilities, you have children, you have a marriage, you have bills to pay, and it's too risky to give all that up. So at that point it becomes numb. You become numb, you start living this numb life. And then what happens, biggest, biggest thing when most people under the deathbed is living with regret. And I think that is the biggest problem is people are so scared. They have that fear built in to take opportunity. And, and then they, they, later on in life, they all regret it. So my advice is, man, just go out and do what you have passion for. Find something that gives you a purpose every single day that you can wake up on a Monday and it's not like, oh, I got to go to work. It's I got to go to work and you have a smile on your face. And, and once you're able to find that passion, that purpose, everything seems to find a lot more meaning and a lot more energy for it, right? Yeah, I mean, failure is inevitable. You know, like people are afraid oh, of to fail. Sense. It's like you're going to fall flat on your face a thousand times before you get that first big breakthrough success, especially as an entrepreneur. Like, you know, like you... you and, and you build, a, you build a, a thick skin towards that. And I think that's just part of the journey, right? One hundred percent, man. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Like, and that comes from wanting it, you know, having the intuition to want it and have the passion for it. But you probably also, you know, did a ton of work, read a lot of stuff, read a lot of books, reached out to a lot of other entrepreneurs who were some of, you know, not like the mentors, but like some of the guys that you looked up to and were inspired by to become an entrepreneur and took those kind of, you know, inspirations and knowledge and kind of formulated it into your own stuff. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I really never, as a young entrepreneur, I really never had anybody I kind of looked up to. I, my grandfather was the only other entrepreneur in the family tree. So I took a lot of advice, a lot of mentoring on his side. I would talk to him on a weekly basis when he was still with us. And he would give me advice and, and give me some form of direction. Besides him, it was just it was just reading and figuring it out. And I think with social media, with YouTube, with all these outlets in front of us at all times, there's no excuses not to find a way to get it done. And I think a lot of people are scared to ask questions, Jack. I mean, if you, if you look at any successful entrepreneur, it doesn't matter what field they're working in, most of them are being very open to help people. So if you find 
a career or a path or a, a business that you want to do, just find somebody or multiple people that are successful in that industry and reach out to them because most of them will be willing to help you or to mentor you or to give you advice or at least direct you in the right direction, which can save you years and thousands and thousands of dollars to prolong the process. So I think a lot of people, they become too... I, I, it's funny because on the way here, I had a whole conversation with the gentleman like reached out to me. He actually called my staff and my staff sent my number and he called me and I hadn't talked to this guy in about 10 years and he's starting up a business and um, and he said, listen, this is what I have planned for the business. I did ABC and I go, how long have you been planning? He goes, about five months. I go, how come you didn't call me earlier? He goes, he goes, maybe it was my ego. Maybe it was, I think I could do it on my own. And, and, and I realized after four or five months of trying to figure this out, I need help. And like, you could have called me from day one and probably saved you four or five months. And I think a lot of people have that fear of asking that question. And I think people have to be very open to asking a question. You're going to get doors closed on you. There's another one to open. So just keep pushing and asking and studying people, studying people's patterns. I mean, look at 10, 15 entrepreneurs that you really admire and study what they do, how they've done it, how they've accomplished it, read their books, watch their podcasts, study what they've done. You only might take one, two things out of each person, but now you build it into your own identity. You start building up your own ideas, but it's just building blocks from everybody else and you, then you build your own path. So I think there's there's so much out there and there's and there's no reason for excuses right at this point to build a proper business and to do it right from day one if you do have the passion for it. I mean, there's over 7 billion people in the world. Someone's got to say yes, right? 100%. 100%. There's, there's going to be so many people that are going to be like, yeah, like maybe you're not cut out for this. Then there's going to be other people that do believe in you, you know? Like that's yeah. the toughest thing. People are afraid to ask for help because they're going to feel, you know, like a, it's a pride thing. Like yeah. some people are going to be like, I don't necessarily have the knowledge or the skills you have. And they're almost embarrassed to share their stuff with someone else. You know, That's like, again, is. like you're going to have to grow and face the music at some point, dude. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, that is the biggest thing to me when it comes to reaching out to people, like reaching out to you to have a discussion, to pick your brain about stuff. Like some people are like, I really don't get that. Like, so there's some people out there that see my show and are like, you don't really have a platform. Why are you doing it? It's like to grow. Like eventually that's, you're going to have to do stuff. That's it. Yeah. And, 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 and when I hear that, it just it leaves a sour taste in my mouth because you know, everybody's got to start somewhere. And, and the ones that question what you're doing or question your platform now are the ones that are going to be calling you in six months to a year asking for advice how to do it. Always happens. Always happens. You just put your head down. You put in the work. And believe me, everybody else will notice. Just don't worry along the path of what people think. And I mean, we, we all get stuck in this world. We're always focusing on, especially with social media, what people think, how many likes we have, how many views we have, what our friends are thinking, are our friends, our family going to accept our process or what we're doing or what we're trying to accomplish. We have to have that mindset. We're doing it for one person. We're doing it for us. We can't control the future. We can't control the past. We've learned from the past. We focus on today. Focus on the present. Focus on ourselves and focus on what makes us happy. And believe it or not, along the way, the people that are truly your friends are, will be there supporting you. The ones that are not, let them fall off the bandwagon. Who gives a shit at that point? Yeah. I mean, I can imagine those people who gave up on Jeff Bezos in 1999, looking back. Like, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, there's so many people out there that, you know, are like, I, I'm doing this because I love it and I see a vision in this. Like you planned yeah. it out. Like you as an entrepreneur planned out some of your businesses, even though some of maybe your partners didn't buy in, you know, yeah. six, nine months down the road. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think that's one of the most difficult things to kind of get past. As yeah. soon as you reach that first breakthrough, people are like, okay, I want to be on board. I buy in. It's like you didn't buy in. No, and and you have that that mindset. Even even Jack, with with a business, you're always constantly. And I said this word prior is you're always constantly pivoting, and even your podcast. Like just look at you and think of how when you started, how the business or the podcast or the the show has grown. Where is going? Where from now to another year, it'll be a different world altogether, and it's constantly growing. But you have to not be fearful to take the next leap, the next step, the the leap of faith to get to the next level, right? And that's all about pivoting and and, and being able to move and pivot. I'm, we're we're in a pivot stage with our podcast right now, and uh, we're taking it to the next level. And 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 the views are there, the downloads are there. So we just want to take it to the next level so we can really monetize on this podcast. And you're going through the same stage right now too, right? So. It's understanding that you have to be ready when the opportunity comes and you can't give a shit what people say or what they're thinking along the way. You have to really focus on what's going to be the best for you, your family, and your opportunity of the business, right? I mean, especially in this day and age when, you know, you talk about analytics and views and likes and subscribers and yada, yada, yada. Like, people are too afraid to start because they're going to see that they only got two views on a video. And it immediately shocks and hurts their ego. It's like, why am I even doing this? But it's like, again, you got to start somewhere. You can't be afraid to roll with the punches. Like doing an interview with Shane McMahon, you know, like it's five minutes long, might have gotten a few hundred views as opposed to like someone who had a big platform and gets two million views, you know? Like you can't be disgruntled by that. But a lot of it has to do with as you're building your brand, it's it's the illusion of pers- the, pers- the, the vision of what you want to achieve. Like, as an outsider, I'm looking in, and I saw your interview. We were talking about Shane McMahon. I looked at the interview, and I'm like, oh, we got it. He, he was with Shane McMahon. As an outsider, that puts you at a different pedestal, a different level. And you have to keep building those levels because the outside world is just seeing this, and you're looking at Jack O'Hare and looking at this growth of this brand. And it might be little micro things you're doing in there, but this the precision or what, what people are perceiving from the outside is a lot larger. So think of it as almost like a uh, they're they're on a mountain. They got their microscope and they're looking at you and they're seeing this growth, right? It's just it's just constantly all these little things make huge huge difference. So having that one or two views, it might not be huge, but just that one person could be telling a thousand other people. So just having that mindset, every single person you interact with or talk to or network or sees your content. You never know what can happen with it. So you've got to be consistent. You've got to be putting it out. And you have, it's a, it's a journey, man. It's a long haul journey. Don't think of it's going to happen overnight. Like overnight success is a bunch of bullshit. When people are like, oh, you're overnight success. No, I've been doing this for 26 years, right? There is no overnight success. You just, we have to put in the work. And some people have, are given opportunity a little earlier, a little faster. That's okay. Some people may have to work a little longer to get that opportunity. But that's okay as well. It's just when the opportunity is there, you have to be ready to take it. And I think that's the biggest problem is a lot of people have opportunity and they're not ready when it does appear or present themselves to them. I mean, there were so many of those guys like Portnoy with Barstool Sports 15 years before they even got on the map. You know, yeah. they're like, wow, Barstool Sports just came out of nowhere. Not really. <laughs> no, they're around forever. They're around forever. And, you, and look at the platform the guys built. It's insane insane platform and 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 i like how he's pivoted that platform to so many different platforms where it's just like the spider web effects like and everything now is just growing 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 and he's building this this massive corporation 
from a small little media company started 12, 15 years ago that nobody even cared about. So it's it's the guy's walking around tasting pizzas and seeing millions of people subscribing to CME pizza. Like how crazy is that? Because he's done something where a lot of people don't do is they built, he's built the brand, a brand that's so sustainable that everybody associates him with the brand. A lot of people when they're building brands, and this is one thing, Jack, that I had struggled with for years is with all my companies, I never wanted to be the face of the brand because I always had that mindset of I'm going to exit, exit the company, I'm attached to that brand. That, that'll devalue the brand. So my mindset was always push away from anything I ever built. The last 16 to 18, 19 months, I've really changed my whole perception of how to build a physical and a personal brand and how connecting them is so important. Because the more you build your personal brand, everything else just grows with it. And understand that. Look at The Rock. Look at Ryan Reynolds. Look at all these massive celebrities that have built these massive empires because their personal brand has just exploded. So really, really hone in and focus on your personal brands. And all your other brands will grow the same, same, same way or even faster because your personal brand is pushing everything, right? Did you find it difficult, in a sense, to kind of change your perception on things and go in a different route? Because I find it very easy. Like, you find success in something, and then all of a sudden, six, nine months down the road, you're kind of plateauing, in a sense. And But you're continuing to do the same thing over and over again. Like, I feel like it's kind of tough sometimes when you have yeah. successes to kind of take a, a detour and go somewhere else to grow your business. Yeah. So I've, I've never, ever had a fear of pivoting. I've never had a fear of making changes. So... I'm always looking at my own internal analytics and seeing where we're going. If we're starting to digress and I see a pattern happening there, I try to automatically figure out where I have to change that pattern. So looking and studying at your internal, because a lot of people just go with a business in their day-to-day operations, just like life. People are married for 30, 40 years, and they've been out of love for the last 20, but they're just numb. They stay there for the kids. They stay there for the wrong reasons. Same with the business. They get so used to doing the everyday operations that they just, it is what it is. It's let the business flow. And they're not thinking of, okay, how can I make it better? How can I change our social media? How can I change the website? How can I, you've got to constantly be ready to pivot and change to keep the growth of the company. Because the minute you become stale, competitors start flying right by you. So I've always had that mindset, Jack, that is just, no, man, it's don't, don't, don't ever become stale. Always be ready to change. Not be scared to change. And sometimes I'll change just to change. And, and, and they're wrong moves, and I'll learn from them, and I'll change again. But I'm always constantly changing, whether it's product development, whether it's 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 the way we run our social media, whether it's how we market, whether it's who we're targeting for our customer base. You're always changing. You're always trying to find different stuff. And, and as you start growing and figuring out the company, everything seems to fall in place, Right. And especially in this day and age, like you are content creating, like you could be an entrepreneur, you could be, you know, a film person, a, a musician, podcast host, like above everything else, you're a content creator and you might not even realize yeah. like especially today, like you have to be putting out content almost every single day, it seems like to, yeah. you know, have people see your stuff, like, especially like me coming out of school. People might not see my stuff. Like if I'm posting five times a day, eventually down the road, it's, it's going to pique someone's interest. That's all it is. It's got to be consistency and it's got to be, we have to, when we come up with a podcast, we do, as of yesterday, we're doing 19 different social posts on different platforms. 
So 19 posts. Um, we're now adding an extra clips on top of our YouTube full channel. We're constantly adding, adding, adding. We're doing Google business. We're doing LinkedIn. We're doing Twitter. The reason why we're doing these all, we might only have five views on Twitter because we don't put much attention to it or 10 views on, it doesn't matter. It's just more platform, more real estate that when people go to Google and type in Jeff Knows Inc., that, that, those, that SEO just goes wild because those spider webs go up because we're everywhere. But you're, no matter where we are, we are. So we might get one here, 10 there, 20 here, 100 here. It's constantly out and it's work. But by doing that consistently day in, day out, day in and day out, day in and day out, over time, it starts adding up and people start finding you. People start recognizing you. People start saying, oh my God, everywhere I go, I see that guy, Jeff. Everywhere I go, I see that guy, Jeff. And, and I'm getting it now. And I only started personally branding myself as of May 2020, I never, I had 300 followers on, on Instagram. I didn't care about personal branding. So it's just been the last year and a half, not even a year and a half, that I really started personal branding, building the podcast, writing a book, doing all that stuff. So, um, and I've seen the growth substantially because I'm consistently everywhere. I've, I've, I've been a guest on 91 podcasts in seven months. I've, it's just consistently, right? I've, I've had about 80 different publications written up. It's just consistently putting yourself out there, reaching out to people, offering your services, offering advice, offering help, and just getting out there. And the more people see you, the more people hear about you, over time, it's just organically, just you're everywhere. And, and, and people have no choice but to notice you at that point. It's funny how social media can be like a double-edged sword in a sense, because like you saying like a year and a half ago, not even wanting to pursue it, that's probably because, you know, social media as a whole, a lot of people, if you aren't a content creator or trying to build a brand, it's almost toxic because you're looking at people on social media thinking like, oh, like they're only posting good things about them. You're not seeing the failures, like social media yeah. can be very toxic, but at the same time can change your entire life's perspective if you're playing your cards right and using it correctly. Yeah, but I think it's also being authentic. If you go through any of my posts and you go through this, it's it's. I'll post a podcast. I'll post a picture of my kids. I'll post a story of of, of something tragic happening in my life. I'm authentic, and I try to show me on a daily basis. So I'm not putting nothing that I don't live by or, or who I am. So I won't. You're not gonna see pictures of me with a Ferrari, or or I'm not gonna rent the jet for two days and take pictures for social media on a jet. Like I'm not gonna do that shit, which a lot of social influencers do. It's just being authentic, and I think people. There's so much crap on social media that people really, really are now at that point where they're really weaving their way through to find authenticity and authenticity that grasps by. So if you're authentic and you're being real and you're showing people the true side of the good and bad of life, I think people gravitate a lot more towards that, right? So I think it's so powerful to be as authentic as possible through the journey. And at what point, I'm very interested, because we were talking about earlier about, you know, having partners, not necessarily them buying in or having the same work ethic as you. But at the same yeah. time, you'll probably get to a point where you're looking at analytics, trying to build a brand, trying to be, you know, you at first and foremost, being you being authentic, like you just said, that's what's going to grow your your businesses and your brands in a way that you're inspired every day and that you don't really lose the passion. So if you're fake, you're going to get burnt out quick. Like it's really exposed quick. Yeah. But you know, how do you, you know, delegate things to other people and like build a team around you to say like, Oh, all right, we should do this. We should do that without surrounding yourself with people who again, like don't really have the same passion as you, because again, like you need to delegate stuff, especially as a father, you know, you gotta have that balance, yeah. but at the same time, like you've got to have that, fearful factor in your mind that people aren't going to 
do it the way you want it to be done. Nothing will ever get done the way you want it to get done by somebody else. Do you have to first put that, put it the rest, keep that, understand that, um, come to terms with that, that things were never going to be done the same speed, the same care, the same want that you have fit to be done. But understand that if you surround yourself with people that are good humans, good souls, you surround yourself with the right people and not be scared to put yourself in a situation where you could take a step back. I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that mindset of that perfection. Everything's got to be perfect, perfect, perfect. A lot of jobs just have to get done. And once you understand that a lot of tasks just have to get done, and you could have the understanding that everybody on your team have their own power, their own skill, their own their own way of doing things. You just have to really be able to sit back, hone down, and be like, okay, it'll get done. It might take a little longer. It might not be done the way you think should be done. But as long as the job is done and you're able to, I always call it, fire yourself from positions. The big faster you can fire yourself from positions, the faster the company grows. Because now you can start pushing it away and using that almost that NLP look at the neuro-linguistic program, just looking at it and be like, okay, now we can see it from afar, what has to really be done. But you're in there working the trenches every day, you're not realizing what's happening on the outside of the business. So you had to once in a while be able to grow the business where you can step out of it and look at it from the outside and be able to really figure out, hey, for me to get to this section, this has to be done. So I think is all about being able to fire yourself from position. Second is putting yourself around um, there's tons of people out there that really do care. And like you said, you have to understand they might not have the same work ethic or the same mindset or the same vision as you, but as long as they are on and they understand they're part of a team and they really want to be there, that's, that's all that matters because there are tons of good staff that you can find and people that really care for your business. If you if you look in the right direction, right? I mean, that goes back to like thinking like, okay, this is how I want it to turn out there's a 100% chance almost all the time, maybe like a 95% chance that it's not going to turn out exactly how you visioned in your mind anyway. Yeah. But by delegating those things to other people, you again, like are being way more efficient, being way more quick on the business side of things to get things done. Exactly. Exactly. So at what point in time, you know, with the podcast, with Jeff knows, did you kind of realize like, Oh, this like podcasting, almost everybody has a podcast these days. So it's like not even, you know, shocking that you know, yeah. someone has a platform. But at the same time, like we mentioned, keep going, never quit. You know, you get to a point where it's like, okay, now I have a significant platform and I can monetize off of it. Being myself, being my true self and doing what I wanted to do. At what point, like how many episodes in, how many interviews in did you realize like, oh my God, like these are some inspiring conversations and I'm actually learning stuff from this. Like I could actually turn this into something. I would say probably episode, probably when I hit the 50 mark. Yeah. We're, we're, we we, we pre-recorded it, I think, 150 almost, 148, I think. And, um, but it was, I think it was about the the 50 mark where I was like, we're we're pumping out two full episodes every week. Uh, I think it was about the 50 mark where I was like, okay, this, the amount of people now requesting to be on the podcast where I'm rejecting people on a regular basis and, and, and the, the feedback and the downloads, I mean, we hit in, in 16, 17 months, we hit one point, think 1.3 million downloads, which is insane. Our, our YouTube channel grew in six months up to close to 12,000 subscribers. We're growing about 500 subscribers a month. And, and I'm be honest, I'm pushing everybody to the YouTube because the YouTube now is monetizing at a decent rate. So we're, I don't even care about Apple and Spotify anymore. Everybody's, I'm pushing everybody to YouTube, right? So it's understanding that, there was, there was something happening there. It was organically growing. 
Um, the feedback from everybody was amazing. We're, we, we were reaching out to guests and, and at first they'd be hesitant. Now they're all saying yes, not even questioning to be on the show now because of the guest list that we have. And, and then realizing that I was enjoying myself. I would do a podcast. I would do an interview. I'd, I'd, even me being a guest and talking to people, meeting young entrepreneurs, and, and it, I, I, I get a smile on my face. I, 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 look, I look forward to this. And I was like, wow, this could be something here. And then obviously having guys like Joe Rogan signing these million-dollar, whatever it is, $100 million contracts doesn't hurt the, the potential of podcasts. It shows um, – and I, I want to be honest. I think podcasts are now turning into – the new level of television shows. Essentially, podcasts, I had Richard Rawlings on. You know who he is, Gas Monkey Garage? I'm a huge car guy. I was a massive fan. Um, uh, I got, it was funny because I just started talking to him, and I didn't even realize it was really him. I was talking, I thought it was one of his media guys. And he's like, I'd love to be on your show. And we disconnected, and since then we've talked, and great guest, and we had an epic conversation. The guy's got like 15 million followers through his social media network. And when he was on the podcast, when he was done and we were talking off air, and he was like, because you realize that you're not a podcast, you're a show now. He goes, what you're doing is a show and you have to embrace that as a show because you're doing amazing, you got amazing guests and you're doing amazing your interviews. So you become a show now. So we as podcasters have to realize that once our podcast is elevated into a level of a show, now it becomes a business. And 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 then now that we could see the business, now we got to treat it like a business. How are we going to monetize it? How are we going to get it to the next level? How are we going to bring on sponsors? Are we going to bring on paid guests? That was another thing I'm struggling with right now. So there's different ways of looking at it. But uh, man, I would say episode 50 on, I was like, okay, this is really really enjoying it. And I said at the beginning when I started this podcast, I had zero thoughts of monetizing podcasts. I was going to do it as a network. This was strictly a networking tool from day one. I wanted to meet really cool people, be able to network with them and figure out ways to do business plans with them. And from there, after 50, and then once I got to 100, I said, okay, once I get to 100, I'm going to really figure out if I'm going to start monetizing it. And then now, now we're getting close to 150. We're really putting a whole media kit. We're putting a whole team behind it to really, really turn it into a business. But um, yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's just a fun thing where podcasting, if done right in the, in the next five, 10 years, I can really see it overtaking a lot of TV in, in general, just the audience from there, right? I mean, you already see it now with Rogan, you know, like he's basically the new Stern in a sense. 100%. You know, 100%. He's still probably one of the greatest interviewers of all time, still gets millions upon millions listening to him on Sirius XM. But yeah. Rogan, like you can see him, like it's on YouTube, like he said, like there's a difference between having a podcast and having like a legit talk show. You know? I'm, I'm going to tell you, I had a, I had, I had a conversation, I'm going to say what it is, I had a conversation with somebody the other day that was a guest on Joe Rogan. And this is how powerful Joe Rogan's show is. He sold sponsorship for himself on the Joe Rogan show. So what he, he did was he wore a company shirt that gave him 8000 bucks. He wore a hat that gave him, I think, 2500 bucks on the show. So this company, two companies paid him and all he did was wear the shirt and the hat on the show which is sponsorship on Joe Rogan's show I'm sure Joe Rogan had no clue but it's just crazy as the audience understands the value of Joe Rogan's audience so they could for somebody to turn around and be like, you're on Joe Rogan here's five thousand dollars where my shirt on there that's massive so it just shows the platform Joe Rogan's built it's it's, it's insane insane the platform the guy's built already 
I mean, imagine being in his shoes where, like, you literally can interview anybody that you want and they'll say yes because you're the number one show in the world. Like, let alone podcasts, professional TV broadcasts, like, you are the number one platform almost in the yeah. world where you can invite anybody that you want and they'd say yes. Yeah. And you're making over $100 million doing it. Oh, plus, plus, plus. With all the other sponsorships. Yeah, that's just Spotify. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was told that he makes average episode, he's making anywhere from seven to 10,000 an episode on sponsorships. And like he's talking to college professors, authors. Yeah, but, he, but a lot of the people he's talking to are people he wants to talk to. That's what makes it even so amazing. It's his guests. Right? So that's what makes it so amazing. I mean, when he switched over to Spotify, there was a lot of question. When he had my Miley Cyrus, he had um, a couple of musicians on. People are like, "Oh, he's switching," but now that's that's gone. It's back to Joe Rogan interviewing who he wants when he wants. He doesn't give a shit anymore, and he and he still has that audience. I mean, it's it's so powerful the platform he's built. So I I guess it gives a lot of individuals a promise or a, a hope that they can even achieve a small amount of that. Right? If you if you're making Two five percent of what he's doing, you're still making a good living. And that Incredible kind of goes living. Back to you know not giving up because he had a platform. You know he was Fear Factor, UFC broadcaster, comedian, and it still took him a good decade before he like exploded. Like he was probably yeah. making good money before, but now he's making unheard of money in the podcast industry, and it still took him a decade, even with but a I, But I love what he did, whereas he built. A brand. He built himself as a brand. He used these other platforms, fear factors. He struggled. I don't know if you know the whole story with the fear factor where he tried to sell that concept to, to TV for years and years until he was, I think he privately funded that he had his first his first season out. So he built this platform for himself and he realized that building this platform would equal everything else. A guy that we both talked to, Chad Mendes. Exact same thing. He's realized the whole UFC, the whole fight game is not going to last forever. And that guy, as a young entrepreneur, is building all these platforms because he's built this already, this 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 following. So I think it's very important. It goes back to building that personal brand, right? And I mean, some people have it a little easier than others because they're they're on public TV. And 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 once you get your face on TV, it things just start organically growing like crazy. Whether people love you or hate you. It's the Kardashians. Like, think of this, the brands that are on TV that have zero talent, that have really accomplished nothing, but they build these empires just beyond TV. Like, some people, like, you mentioned the Kardashians, for example. Like, a lot of people are like, why are these people even on TV? Why are they even famous? It's like, they, are, they were smart enough to take a little something, you know, like their father being a part of the OJ case or, you know, other things that have happened, whether, you know, I think it was a sex tape from Kim or something. You know, you take a little thing, and if you're smart enough to surround yourself with the right people, you can build that to where people are now coming in from all over the place, looking at your stuff, looking at whatever content you're making, or, you know, getting a TV deal. Like, they were smart enough to do that, to monetize for themselves and support their families. Yeah, it's, it's a personal brand, you right? And I, I can stress this. I can say this a million times for a whole conversation. Look at Paris Hilton, for example. The last time I heard, she had 254 corporations. She never started one of them. They're all individuals. I hey, I got this great perfume company. Here's a percent of it. Just put your face on it. Here's this. Put your face on it. And and her personal brand has built this empire. 
So understanding that you need to build your personal brand, you need to get out there. And then for some people, it's a lot faster because you have the name, you have the platform on TV. Other people, it might take a little longer, but you gotta put the work in. You can't just overnight think you're gonna, it's gonna happen and give up, right? I mean, there's a guy like Evan Carmichael, He's built this massive brand on YouTube. He's got like 3 million, 35, 3.5 million subscribers, and he's making probably thousands and thousands of dollars every day for just putting out other people's content and just reusing it on, on Insta, on, uh, on YouTube. But he's also been in the game for 12, 15 years when nobody was on YouTube. Understanding that. Gary V. Gary V was doing YouTube videos, what, 15, 20 years ago when people didn't even know what the hell a YouTube video was? So it's all about the long-term journey, the, the haul, and uh, it's never overnight success. Never overnight success. Yeah, everybody's different when it comes to, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, oh, I want to do a podcast. Immediately 10 million followers just because he has the platform, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Like he has a platform. someone, you know, a college kid like me, it's going to take <laughs> 10 to 20 years before you do it, you know? But it might take 2,000 episodes before you even get, you know, noticed by anybody. No, I, I, I mean, I, I think it's consistency, right? I mean, you're doing, I think you're, you're doing a lot better than you probably give yourself credit for because you are getting a lot of really high-end guests and that just starts building and, and your brand starts building and your, and your interview skills start building and you're like, I'm talking right now and you're just, you're on the ball, you're talking, you're, you're comfortable. And, and that's hard for like, that's hard for a thirty year old, a thirty five year old, a forty year, twenty two, and you're on the ball with it. So I can see your platform growing. Be honest, Jack, a lot faster than you think it is. And I think you'll you'll in the next year, two years, you're gonna explode. So it's just a matter of being consistent with it, right? Yeah, and I totally agree in the sense of like you know us having like a clear back and forth conversation. That's definitely one of the things I've learned for the most part to have a conversation with someone. Like you talk about starting to you know network with people in a sense, like yeah. networking, having conversations, building your interviewing skills. Like this is valuable not only for your brand and your show, but for life in general and having hundred percent. I grew up. I grew up as a kid. My dad would tell you like you couldn't get two words out of me each day. Like I was a very quiet, introverted kid, but now I've completely turned to 180. I just reach out to hundreds of people a day asking to talk to them. So I just enjoy hearing people's stories and, you know, meshing and getting inspired by other people. Yeah, I love it. I, I, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I, I've all, I mean, I was the opposite. I mean, I always, I was never a shy kid growing up. I always was the one that wanted to be the captain of the team or the, 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 the loudest kid in class. That was always me, always the, the running the lead and, but I always, I also realized the importance of networking and branding. And I think I try to reach out to 12 to 15 new individuals every single week, whether we have a virtual coffee, in-person coffee, just meet people. And you never know where that conversation goes. It might not go nowhere, but a lot of them will become friendships. They'll become business connections. They'll help you network with somebody else. You've got to put yourself out there. And with social media, it's so easy to connect with people, to talk to people, to interact with people. So that's a huge thing is, man, any young entrepreneurs out there, even older entrepreneur that's just out there and they're really trying to build their brand, network, network, network. And to kind of go back to the YouTube thing, like you being like, you know, I'm on Apple, I'm on Spotify, I'm on TuneIn, like who cares? Like at this point, like if you just have an audio show, I feel like that's almost not good enough. Maybe no. some people can make it work, but no. most people, like you have to be, again, that content creative mindset to want to put 
videos out on YouTube, whether it's full episodes or redistributing, you know, snippets from old episodes. Like that's yeah. what I do on my Instagram page constantly every day. Episodes from a year ago, I'm still making snippets and putting them out there. And people are like, didn't you do that a year ago? It's like, yeah, but it's a snippet. It's like keeping. That's keeping all it is. That's all it is. And you it's just going to bring. The first time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and it's just going to constantly bring more eyes, more eyes, more eyes to, especially when you use different hashtags, you're different tagging different people. It's just bring different eyes to it, right? And that's all it is. And getting that one person on that starts following you, and all of a sudden their followers all be like, who is this person following? It just organically grows, and you have to be consistent with it, not be fearful to do it, right? So who's one, you know, getting into all this and kind of, you know, taking these experiences, learning from them and realizing, like, this is not only a business, this is also, like, a way to connect with millions of people around the world. Who, who's someone specifically, you know, like, you talked about the Chad Mendezes and the Jim Morrises, you know, some of those guys who have that mindset to want to inspire and continue to grow and continue to accomplish their dreams no matter what. Who's someone that you'd want to have on your show moving forward, like a dream guest almost? That's kind of a basic question, but like, what you know, it's funny. There's one guy that um, I don't even know if you'll know who he is. I, I, I'm assuming you will. Have you heard of Bo Jackson before? Oh, 100%. Okay, okay. So, Bo Jackson, I was a huge fan growing up. And uh, he is, I mean, you talk about athletes, he's a celebrity athlete. He was massive in the day, right? He's obviously put on his own life and kind of moved away from a lot of the spotlight now, but massive guest. He's something I've, I've, I've been trying to get on the show. And if in back in the day when he was at his peak, Nike, he was essentially Nike, first time Nike really put a lot of effort behind an athlete. And they had the, all the commercials called Bo Nose. And if you look at our logo, Jeff Nose is the same font. That's where I got that from. So he's a, he's a guy that I would absolutely love to have on is Bo Jackson. I, I, that's kind of like a, a must eventually for me. And um, I know there's a lot of guys, like there's a lot of, I, I think now that we've got to, to the point where we've, we've had so many big names on our podcast. Now it's getting to the point where it was just me looking at like Brett to him and Hart. I grew up being a WWF brand. He's Canadian. So there's certain people that I would love to get on. And that's more of just a personal thing now at this point. It's not even for the audience. It's more personally to get a hold of. So I think Bret Hart and Bo Jackson would be two guys that I'm hoping and I've been working on. So both of them are pretty close. So hopefully in the next uh, year, I'll have both of those two on my, on my podcast. What about you? Uh, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. That guy was Interesting. one of my bigger idols growing up just because yeah. he's like the face of rock and roll grew up a big rock guy and he's just down to earth it seems that he's down to earth hardworking, does all these documentaries does all yeah. these like he's a celebrity musician but it seems to me that he is a real authentic version of himself whenever you see him on camera yeah yeah there's another celebrity i would love to get on and because you're mentioning that is keanu reeves yes authentic, real, doesn't give a shit about what people think of him, just super, super talented. Uh, he's one that, he's a bucket list guy as well. So uh, I think another guy that I think would be on both of our bucket list is Chris Jericho, being pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah, he's a big name. He's a big name, and I feel like, again, like rock star, yeah. wrestler, podcast. Multi-talented, multi-multi-talented. Well-connected, and he knows how to talk to people. He knows how to talk to people. He knows how to tell a story. He knows yeah, how, yeah. 
the right yeah. music. Like there's just yeah. so many different That's things. what you find. That's what you find with a lot of these ex um ex wrestlers that are retired now. Cause my I mean, I'm a lot of I'm the guy could be your dad. Let's be honest with that. I'm 44. That could be your dad. So there's a I grew up, I stopped watching wrestling when I was maybe 13, 14. Like I watched the WWF like back in the day with Hulk. Like those are what I what I watched. So that's the guys I've kind of followed, like the Ultimate Warriors. Those are kind of at the end. But all those ex-wrestlers, they're all storytellers. Yep. Oh, my God. They can sit there forever telling stories, and you're just sitting there like, oh, this is awesome. I'm just enjoying this, right? So you, you get that. You'll get, you'll get some guy, guests. You know how it is. Some guests, you're, 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 you're trying to squeeze a rock to get any word out of them. You're sitting there, like, carrying a conversation. And other guys, you sit there, and it's like, I had a guy on recently that we haven't released this podcast yet. I might have talked for about five minutes out of an hour. He just went, I was sitting there like, okay. And I was just listening to him. And I was like, he was flowing so well that I was like, I don't even want to interrupt him. So I just let him go. And he just went on and on and on. And I would, all I have to do is every once in a while, just redirect the conversation. He'd be like, blah, blah, blah. And he'd say something about his wife. I'd go, oh, where'd you meet your wife? And that was it. And then gone for another half an hour. And then he'd blah, 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 talk about his, oh, how many kids you have? Boom, gone for another half an hour. And it was, I actually, it was funny because I had, um, I just released today, I don't know if you saw this, Kevin uh, Makely. Kevin Makely. Okay, so he just did the, um, uh, he's the Macho Man for Young Rock, the TV series. Incredible, dude. Our podcast, and I know, and I just let it go because I know no one's going to listen to a two-hour podcast. We recorded for two hours. So I just released it today, and it's literally on YouTube and and, and all the platforms. It's like almost I think it's an hour and like fifteen minutes or something like that. I'm like, and then that's with me editing some parts out. And I'm like, wow, it was. We could have probably talked for another four hours. So you get those connections with people, and you build those relationships. Like since then, we've he's texting me like every other day, and we build these relationships. So you you start building these incredible, incredible relationships, right? So um, yeah, it, it's it's so fun the the people you meet and. and and the relationships that could come from it, right? It was pretty awesome with the podcast world. Those are the best interviews to have, too. You know, like, they're just telling their story. They know how it works, as opposed to someone who's never done a podcast before, who's done maybe, like, 12 interviews in their life, and it's just yeah. like, okay, they talked for about 30 seconds. Now i got to keep it going, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's so many people that are just so good. Like, I had Jordan Belford on, probably asked him three questions, and he was on for an hour because he was just, you know, rambling about whether it is, you know, business things that he's done, you know, setting goals. You know, he was just happy to talk. Like, he was ready to. He's, he's actually, one, he's one of them that I've been kind of working my way to try to get on as well. He's a big name, too. Really big name. I mean, the movie made him massive, right? And, and now he's really embraced social media to a different level. Oh, my God. He, he's someone who has, again, taken advantage of something, you know, like he had dark times, obviously, had a dark past that resulted in him having to go away for a while, kind of rediscover what he wanted. He wrote a book, but then yeah. it was a movie that put him on the map, and he took that movie, and he made a podcast, he does talk shows, and he's been able to build that brand into something that has not only benefited him, but at the same time, he's inspiring others, in a sense, when it comes to the business side, when it comes to sales. Oh, incredible, incredible. He's, he's super knowledgeable, super, super knowledgeable. Yeah, I love, I love I love watching stuff, and that movie was one of my favorite movies as well. So it kind of oh, is a bonus, yeah. right? Could you imagine like being in jail for <laughs> as long as he was, and then it's like, all right, we want to make a Scorsese movie out of you, and you're going to be played by probably the most prolific actor in America. It was crazy. 
It's insane. And again, I could talk to you all day here. We're going to have to do this again. Yeah. I got one last question for you. Yeah. I don't think too much of your time and I think you'll appreciate this, you know, as a father, you know, building businesses and at the same time, making time for family when it comes to, you know, you have young kids, right? Like what do you, what do you do specifically to not only inspire them, but to do little things on a daily basis for them to, you know, pick up on? in a sense, you know, like you're not exactly like straight up teaching them, but you're doing things to set an example for them to be like, oh, wow, like dad did that. And that, that's going to carry on the next 10, 20 years when they become young adults. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's three little things I, I do. Um, one, I specifically spend time directly with each one separately. As a father, I think it's very important if you have more than one child to take one of them out of their environment and just, I call it, we call it six birthdays a year. So six times a year, um, whether they're in school or not, I'll pull them out of school for the day and, and we'll spend four or five hours. It's my daughter, she'll go do her nails. We'll go have lunch together. Building memories, that's one. Uh, second is every time as an entrepreneur, I'm about to do something. Like when I was writing my book, I sat down with my kids and I said, listen guys, I'm going to write a book and in one year it's going to be a number one seller. And they all look at me, okay, okay dad. I set myself accountable with my own kids, but that's also teaching them that if you hold yourself accountable and you actually set your goals and do everything properly, you can achieve it. And then once I achieve it, we celebrate it together. I'm like, look what I've done. So I always set, tell them everything I'm going to do in advance. And I, and I do that with my family, with my wife and both my kids. We all sit down and we talk and I say, this is what my next plans are going to be. This is my goals. And, and all of a sudden, over the years and years and years, and they see me achieving all these goals, those are, those are just things that are building up in their memory bank. Those are things that they're learning and believing in themselves. And the next thing, too, is I do put them in situations. Like, I, I sit down with both my kids, and I, we practice public speaking. I make them do public speaking with me. I make them, I make sure that we, my, my kids, we work out together. Like, I, I make sure from day one, they're fitness fanatics. They're working out. They're taking care of themselves. They're understanding the importance of fitness. They're doing public speaking. They're learning sales. I'm teaching them about money. So I am physically teaching them all the tools that one day that I'm not around they're going to be ready for life. And the last thing is I put them in a situation where I prepare them for life. So my kids are 13, 15, Jack. They clean, they cook, they do laundry. I get home, me and my wife get home from work, and we have dinner on the table. My daughter has dinner ready. And, and we've taught them these tools of life, how to live, how to be able to bend for themselves from a very young age. And I think that's so important because a lot of parents is baby, 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 and then their kids go in the real world or they go off to college and they're so lost. Our kids, when they're ready to go on to college or start their own business, whatever they want to do, they're going to have all the tools to be successful on them and be able to take care of themselves because from day one, we've kind of instilled and pushed it into them. Now, how quickly did they buy into some of that stuff? You know, like- I, don't think, I don't think they had a choice because we started from so young yeah. that it became part of their routine, became engraved in them. They knew nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. Working out from day one, um, understanding fitness from day one, eating a certain way from day one, taking their vitamins from day one. Um, if, if, if I was making a bed, I would make them make the bed. Like it's just all these habits and everything we do with our children. We don't, we're not just preaching it. We're living it. So if I tell them to make the bed, I make my own bed every day. Still, like we, we tell them everything we preach them to do. We do. I cook, I cook just as much as my wife at home. So everything we preach them to do, or I tell them to do is because I'm leading by example. If I teach them more, we're, we're working out is because I'm working out with them. We're going for a bike ride. We're working, everything we do together. So we're teaching them, hey, I'm not just showing you, telling you to do this. 
I'm actually doing it myself. I, I'm a living example of it. So that really, really instills with them as well, right? Right. You're leading by example. You're not Always. asking them to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the worst thing. You see that 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 overweight father telling their kids to work out and they won't even get off the couch. So I'm the opposite. So you have to be able to, if you're going to preach something, you'd be able to kind of back it up as well, right? 100%. And, you know, you're kicking ass, whether it be, you know, in business, raising a family, you know, it's a tough thing to do. And I'm 22 and I, I've i never experienced that. <laughs> no, like, man, like that had to be a perfect situation in order to, you know, have those experiences and get to that point where you can do those things, not only to have a balance to do those things, but to do both of them successfully. So I definitely look up to that and are inspired by that. And I want to thank you so much for being gracious enough to take the past hour or so. Yeah, out of your awesome. day. Like, like you were saying before, like we're not Joe Rogan. Nobody's going to listen to this for four hours long, you know, like yeah, yeah. got to cut it up, but we definitely got to do this again sometime soon. Cause I, I have appreciate so many things that I'd love to talk to you about, man. This is awesome, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.